All right, boys and girls, it's Thursday. That means it's grease the wheels time. That means that there's a fat, ugly automotive technician sitting behind the microphone of the Rock and Roll Garage, and his name is Uncle Jimmy. Hey, wait a minute. That's me you're talking about there. Hey, uh, I went through a rough period recently, and I wanted to relate to you my thoughts and my opinions on what happened. I had a two-week pay period that just ended a couple, two, three days ago, and I made shit for hours, and I was pissed off about it, and I found that uh, everyone involved was to blame, and including me. Part of the reason that I didn't make as many hours as I normally do was because of your Uncle Jimmy, okay? Now, as a wrench-twisting mofo like you, I typically turn in a week, a two-week pay period, I typically turn between 90 and 120 hours. I've gone as high as 150. That was a special case. Yeah, but usually I'm in the range between 90 and a buck 20. And I really, really, really like to be right around 120. Okay? I think that all of us would like to turn as many hours as we possibly can. But for this particular pay period that just passed for me, everything seemed to conspire against me. And uh, I'm going to rail against that now in a manner in which you are familiar I'm going to scream and holler obscenities, and I'm going to talk about people who fucked me up, including myself, okay? Because I was a large part of the problem. I spent a lot of time actually not working on cars, yes. And you say, well, well, Jesus Christ, Uncle Jimmy, you show up to work, you got tools there, you had broken cars there, what the fuck was the problem? Well, part of the fucking problem was that I was not unbelievably suitably motivated to work on cars, for the last two weeks. I don't know why. I just didn't really feel like doing it. But I get this feeling all the time, though. I get this feeling all the time. I get shit all the time that I don't want to work on. I get shit that I have to do, shit that I have to fix, that I wish that somebody else would come along and fucking fix it instead. Typically, what this involves is cars where the labor time involved is really, really close to the time it's actually going to take me, which irritates all of us, okay? If you have a job on a car and it pays seven hours, and you go at it, and you do it as quickly as you can, as efficiently as you can, and it still ends up taking you 6.5 hours, you feel like you lost. I know I do. I don't want to I, I don't want to have to take all of the allotted time to actually do a repair. Fuck, that's not how this game works. You know, I mean, if you're a flat rate technician, and you take a job that pays five hours, and you do it in two, boom, you win. You're the winner, okay? Oh, and guess what? Just as a side note, so is your shop. Your shop owner, your dealership owner, the, the company that you work for, they win too, okay? Because now you're going to take that five hours that you got paid for and you're going to do something else and get paid whatever else you get paid for. Let's say you take a two-hour job and you do that in 20 minutes and you do another job. You know, the, you know the score. You know the deal. Your time is money. Your time is straight up money. And if you can do a job that pays five hours and two hours, you are ahead of the game. You are what we call winning. Now I get mostly jobs that I can do and make time on. That's what we call it. We made time on that job. But I had jobs where I made like a very small amount of time. So a lot of the hours that I turned used up all the hours that I had. And that's not so good. Uh, one of the other things that happened to me was that a lot of people distracted me, I guess would be the best way to say it. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, helping other people 
I spent a lot of time talking to other people. I spent too much time, I should say, talking to other people. What would happen is I would get called over to somewhere else in the shop and asked a question and then spend the next 20 minutes talking about shit that had nothing to do with either cars or working on them or making money. And that behavior cost me money. And it seemed like for the last pay period, the last two weeks of uh, of my life where I was supposed to get paid X amount of dollars for the work I did, I spent a lot of time bullshitting with people in the shop. And I kind of need to put the fucking kibosh on that. And that's on me. You know, if somebody asked me, you know, what color is the sky? Go outside. It's blue. Boom. Go back to work. Quit fucking around. Okay. I need to stop talking. My problem is, and, and one of the things that I do is I always try to be very helpful to the people I work with. The people I work with are great. I love them. Uh, they're all to a man. They're smart, smart guys. Uh, some of them work a little harder than others. Some of them are a little smarter than others. It doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to qualify any of them. I'm just going to say, look, I got a really good crew I work with. And I spend a lot of time doing what I can to help them. Anybody. If somebody says to me, hey, we got to tow a car in, boom, I'm there. We tow it in. If, uh, if we got to push a car, I'm there. We push them in. If we've got to, you know, maybe stack the tires or we got to clean the tire machine, I'm there. I do that stuff. That's all stuff that costs me time energy and money. So I'm going to try to put the kibosh on some of it. I'm going to try to uh, be a little bit more attentive to what I'm doing. And I'm going to have to go at it. That was another thing that happened. Uh, I, I spent some time not wanting to work on what I needed to work on. And so I was trying to, I don't know, put it off. And then that's never going to be profitable. So here I am to blame mostly for what happened to me. And I can toss a little bit of the blame on to some of the other people I work with who have distracted me and used up some of my time. Some of it productively, some of it not so productively. Uh, the not productive stuff is the really irritating stuff, you know, where you're talking about shit that has nothing to do with what you're doing. And it helps you in no way and just completely and 100% wastes your fucking time. So I need to put the kibosh on that. And if you've got that going on in your shop, if you're a flat rate guy, you know, if you're paid hourly, who gives a fuck? Sit around, you can sit around and talk all day long. You know, if you're paid hourly or if you're on a guarantee, who gives a shit how long you spent how long you spent talking to people or helping other people out or just maybe going to the fucking bathroom. Maybe you take a two hour shit. Maybe maybe you go to lunch for two hours. Maybe you show up an hour late. Fuck. For Christ's sakes, if you if you did all that shit in one day, if you showed up an hour late, left an hour early, went to lunch for two hours, took a shit for two hours, you'd have about fifteen minutes of work to do and you would get paid for the entire fucking day and that's great and uh but i know a lot of places do not work that way and they put you on a flat rate because they need to motivate you to work and if they motivate you to work more and turn more hours than the eight hours that you're there then they make out along with you and so that's the way it's going to be for a long time i know a lot of uh a lot of manufacturers a lot of uh, companies that build cars and then pay warranty times uh, when their cars are broken, they would like for the shops to be not flat rate because when you take an automobile that's broken and you give it to a guy who's flat rate, he's going to do a few diff few things different than a guy who's paid hourly. He's going to do a few things different. First off, he is going to shotgun diagnose that car and then he's going to aim the parts cannon at it and fire parts at it to try to fix it, hoping that he gets it right. 
And then if he does, he can actually take a repair that he writes up that will pay him after he writes it up three, four, five hours. If he's skilled at writing it up and he will have spent exactly 25 minutes actually working on the car. It happens all the time, boys and girls, if you're not familiar with it. Get in touch with some of the older mechanics in your shop, some of the older techs in your shop. If you're flat rate, find out how they write shit up and emulate them. Let me tell you something. The pen is mightier than the sword, okay? But for this particular pay period, there was no amount of fiction that I was going to be able to write that was going to fix anything that was going on. And part of the problem is, is that we can't seem to retain service advisors where I work. We have maybe two or three service advisors who have been there over two months and the rest are new and they don't have it together yet. And some of them, I'm not sure they will ever have it together. And as far as commentary on whether or not they're going to be able to do the job, I don't want to do that here because it's not fair to anybody. They could they could end up being the best service advisor in the world, but I have no idea what the fuck that would look like. So uh, they could be the best service advisor in the world right now. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I got a lot of garbage this last two weeks. I got a lot of garbage, uh, stuff that was not a complaint. Uh, stuff that was a complaint that shouldn't have been a complaint, stuff that shouldn't have been written up, stuff that shouldn't be fixed by us, stuff that I can't get paid to fix. There was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. I got a lot of bullshit concerns, a lot of bullshit repairs that I had to do. Uh, and and I, it, it makes me irritated because I, I believe that, and they're not going to do this. They're never going to do this and not ever going to do this. But I believe that the advisors should sort of uh, qualify some of the repairs that they write. They should, they should be able to listen to somebody tell you, tell you about a problem with their car and say, "Oh, that's not something that we can fix. That's not something that 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 our mechanics can can do anything about." You know, you're complaining about something that occurs because of the laws of physics, or you're complaining about something that those cars do on purpose, or you're complaining about the way something drives, but the last three or four times you were here, you declined to put new tires on the car or you didn't want to spend the money for brakes. So if you're complaining about that again, you need to shut the fuck up or fork over and get that shit fixed. But don't make me diagnose it three and four fucking times and come up with the same conclusion every time. They need to qualify the repairs that people need to make. And, and there's a good way to do that. There's an excellent way to do that. If somebody comes in and they make, I'm telling you how to fix the problem, boys and girls. This is what I've always said here at Grease the Wheels. If you've got a problem, don't come to me complaining about a problem unless you have thought for a second or two at least about the solution. Here's the solution. If people are going to come in and complain about stupid shit, okay, and I'm, I'm just going to call it what it is, stupid shit. If they complain about stupid shit, what the advisor needs to say to them, say, well, we can certainly look at that. But if we find that, that that the complaint that you're complaining about is not something that would be covered under warranty, we're going to have to charge you the diagnostic fee to look at it. If it's not a warranty-related repair, you're going to have to pay for us to look at it. You want to know something? A lot of these bullshit complaints would disappear, okay? And this happens all the time. I see it all the time. Somebody will complain about something under warranty. They'll complain about something under warranty. They'll complain about something under warranty and they'll go on and on and on and all of a sudden their vehicle goes out of warranty. They stop complaining about that shit. Do you know why? Because they don't want to pay. 
It's a good way to sort out complaints. If you wrote down everything that a customer complained about and said, okay, we're going to have to charge you $150 an hour to look at this, and then another $150 to look at this, and then another $150 to look at this, they would stop you and say, what the fuck, really? And you go, yeah, what do you think we do here? This is not the fucking charity garage. This is not a volunteer palace where we, we have technicians who are here just out of the goodness of their fucking heart. No, we don't have that shit. They they have mortgages and insurance payments and car payments and kids and all that other shit that cost a fuckload of money, just like you do. And so when people roll into where you fucking work, do you work for free for them? Fuck no. And guess what? Neither do our technicians. So if you want to complain about a wind noise and you want to complain about a tire noise and you want to complain about some other fucking stupid horse shit that we're not going to be able to fucking fix no matter how much fucking time we spend looking at it, you're going to have to pay $150 an hour for us just to look at the fucking thing guess what those complaints will disappear they will go away they'll say oh never mind never mind i'll live with the wind noise i'll live with the tire noise and if you were to actually go up there and try to diagnose these noises or whatever the fuck it is these inconsequential fucking complaints that they make these bullshit complaints let's call it what it is you would find that it's not something that you can even fix anyway, you know? Okay, so that's another way that your Uncle Jimmy doesn't get any hours. That's another way that I have a shit pay period, is having to look at shit that A, I can't fix, and even if I could fix it, I'm not gonna get paid to fix it, okay? That happens a lot, and that's on the advisors. Now, I'm not trying to blame the advisors for the fact that I didn't make any money, but they are partially to blame. They had a hand in this, along with me, and along with them, and along with the customers. Because I, I look at every car, and I've told you this before, and, and you know what, it's wearing me out, it really is, because I look at every car, and because I'm at a dealer, I'm at a dealer where we, we sell and we work on cars that are newer, that are under warranty, and I'm in the Southwest where they don't rust, and they don't get beat up by shitty roads too much, and so the cars are typically in excellent condition all the way up to the point where they come out of warranty. They're in excellent condition. And then when they're out of warranty, they stop coming to the goddamn dealer. They start going to some private asshole who, you know, opened up a fucking two-bay shop up the street and he's undercutting our service labor time by probably 12 cents or maybe even a quarter. And yet, because it's cheaper, he's got fucking work out the asshole. Now, he has to work on some junk sometimes, unless, of course, he just looks at it and says, eh, you know what? I'm not working on your car. Go fuck yourself. Take your car to the junkyard where it belongs. And if you know what? If you own the shop, you could say that all day long. You could offend people. Every once in a while at the dealer, I norm at, normally at the dealer, I get cars that are new. New or newish, Up to and including four years old and up to and including 50,000 miles. And after that, it's kind of sparse. It's kind of scarce, the work that come that, that I get after that. I don't get a lot of stuff that has a lot of miles on it, unless, of course, here's the exception to that rule, unless, of course, it's a recall of some sort, okay? And then what they do, and it doesn't even really matter how many miles they have in their car, how poorly they've maintained it, what kind of absolute 100% pile of shit it is, they bring it in and all they want is the free stuff. Just give me the free stuff. Okay, so, and, you know, recalls, they're usually pretty fucking easy, pretty simple. You get in them, you put put the new airbag in them, because that's what most of the recalls are, is airbag stuff, by the way. You bang in the airbag, it takes 10 minutes, you get paid half an hour, 
you're you're good to go. You look the car over sometimes, uh, if if you're insane or if you're not busy or both, and <laughs> and you look the car over and say, well, it's leaking oil out of every spot it could possibly leak. The brakes are metal to metal and the tires are bald, and you put it up into the wash because you know goddamn well they're not gonna buy one motherfucking thing from you. And the advisor is probably not even going to make an attempt because in their mind, they know like you do that it's a waste of time. So they're not even going to try, which is too bad because I think if they actually did try a little bit, you know, I mean, and they could qualify the customer just like just like I suggested they do. They could say, listen, your car's not in the greatest shape. If, would you like to hear uh, what, what it is that you would need to make your car safe and drivable again and, and, and reliable? And a lot of times you're just going to go, no, no, I don't want to hear it. But every once in a while they go, well, yeah, let me know what it is I got to have. Well, here's a list that the technician made. He says you need tires, you need brakes, and you got oil leaks. All You got all kinds of crazy oil leaks. Here's how much it's going to cost to fix it. Now, if you want to do half of it now, half of it later, or maybe put it on a credit card, this could keep you going for many years. Seriously. Because the cars I work on are fairly reliable. They're fairly well built. If you don't maintain them, they go to shit in a hurry just like everything on this planet. But if you put a little bit of time and energy in them, a little bit of money, get things repaired, maybe a little by little, you could have a good good car again. You could have a car that's that's reliable, trustworthy, safe, affordable, efficient, whatever, whatever adjectives you want to put in front of it. If you let me fix it for you, you're going to have a good car. But to the advisors do that? No. To a man, they automatically, I swear to God, they automatically decline all the services, never bother to tell the customer about it, send them on their way with their free fucking Takata airbag recall done. And that's it. We never see them again. If they have a problem with the car, they take it to uh, one of the fucking indies that's uh, usually within a couple, two, three miles of the dealer. And I don't care really what dealer it is. There's always going to be an indie somewhere that'll work on the shit that they don't want you to work on because you're too expensive. So that's another thing that drives me crazy is I spend time and energy looking the cars over and get nothing. One of the other things that drives me crazy and keeps me from making hours is that uh, we have a call center that makes our appointments for us. And these people have demonstrated to me that they are clueless about what the fuck goes on in our dealership. Okay, they're clueless. We have a, a specific recall that we have to do that is low. We have to re- replace a part that is located on the backside of the intake manifold about inch and a half away from the engine block. So to say that it gets hot would be an understatement. It gets hot. Where this part lives gets really fucking hot. And I've had so many of these cars come in with this particular recall that want to wait for us to do the recall because the call center tells them that they can come in and wait. So what they do is they drive in from the moon and their car is blazing fucking hot and they want to wait for us to repair it. Well, okay. Well, to use a term that we have all used in this industry, waiter's going to wait. You're going to have to wait for the car to cool down because I'm not going to stick my arm in there and get third degree burns on it to change a little fucking part that's probably working fine anyway and put a whole nother part in there. But yet it goes on and on and on every fucking day. 
every fucking day. People bring me cars and they want to wait and they don't have a fucking clue what's involved with the repair necessary. They want to wait. They say, oh, I'll wait. Okay, great. And then what really happens is, because everyone thinks they're patient. Is there anybody out there in the world who thinks they're impatient? Well, I can be impatient. I am typically brutally impatient when I have a steering wheel in my hand, okay? And I know when I have a steering wheel in my hand, at the exact moment I get impatient because I stick my head out the window and I yell out something to the effect, get the fuck out of my way. That's when the impatience sets in. Normally, if I'm not driving a car, I'm actually an extraordinarily patient person, believe it or not. And most other people on this planet are patient, but to a point. And they'll come in and they want some sort of repair done to their car and they'll be like, oh, I'll just wait. Okay. But then they get to a point and for everyone, that's a different point. Did you know that? Yes, it's a different point. A guy will come in and he'll be like, oh, yeah, I, and we've talked about this a million times before and I don't know why I'm going on about it. Maybe just because it's still annoying as shit and then nothing ever seems to get done about it. But the guy, a guy or maybe a lady will come in and they'll be like, oh, you know, I want to get this done to my car and I want to wait. Okay, well, you know, the advisor will say, well, you know, it's going to be a little while. I mean, we've got a lot of work in the shop and then, you know, and they'll always try to qualify how patient they can be, how patient they can be. And I don't, I don't suspect that any of my advisors are any good at this at all. There might be one advisor who can tell how patient or rather impatient a customer of his is going to be. Okay. He comes in for a job that's going to take two hours. He says, it's probably going to take two plus hours to do this. And the shop's got a lot of work in it right now. So it might be even half an hour or an hour before we even get to it to get started on the two hour mark. So you're looking at probably right around three hours. And if this doesn't scare off this customer, he'll just go, well, I'll wait. You know, I don't have anything else to do. And I okay. But what really happens is, and this is the reality of it, they get into the waiting room and for whatever reason, they get about an hour and a half in and suddenly their patience is dried right up. No more patience. That's it, it's over. They don't wanna wait anymore. And then they come out and they go to the, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer? And then what does the service advisor do? Well, a good service advisor, a good service advisor will say, I told you it's gonna be like three hours. It's been an hour and a half. So we were halfway through how long I thought it was going to take. But shit service advisors, which seems to be what I have more than plentiful cornucopia of, uh, will get up from their desk and go, I'll go find out. And then they come up to you and you're in the middle of a job and maybe you're burning your fucking arm or you got gas in your eye or you got grease up your nose or or maybe you're just irritated for no other reason than you're at work and the service advisor comes to you and says, how much longer? And you just want to fucking punch a stupid cocksucker right in the fucking face. I don't fucking know. I have grease in my nose. I have a finger in my eye. Get away from me. Don't ask me that question. Service advisor should never come up to you and say, how much longer is it going to be? They should, I think they should never, ever do that, ever. It happens. So, and I do a lot of waiters, but there weren't a lot of waiters this last two weeks. There weren't a lot of them. For some reason, everybody else was writing up the waiters. I don't mind doing the waiters. As long as they are of the type of repairs or maintenance that can be waiters. There needs to be a line, there needs to be a set kind of a schedule, a set menu of services and maintenances that 
you actually can wait for. And there needs to be another schedule of, or a maintenance schedule or a menu of services you cannot wait for. And we don't have anything like that. And that I blame on my service manager. He has not set down any kind of rules or procedures for literally anything. So every time something happens and every time somebody has to figure out what happens or what needs to happen or is going to happen, we have to be reactive instead of proactive. We are reactive. We have problems that come up all the time and a lot of us a lot of us know what what has to happen or what should happen, but they're not it's not going to happen because nobody has taken the time to say, "Oh, this is what should happen." if this ever happens. No, we have to fucking run around like chickens with our head cut off and we have to figure out what to do and we have to ask six people and then we, and we end up coming up usually with the stupidest solution possible because nobody thought to put in place any kind of policy or procedure for whatever fucking problem it is that we're having. And that I blame on a service manager. And that's what's going on with the waiters. Waiters come in and they're fucking stupid and they shouldn't be waiters and yet they are and then you have to wait for something to cool down so you can do the job. And then that guy who's waiting for that job to cool down can't pull another car in on his bay even if there is another car in his bay, even if there isn't any other cars to pull in. And he has to wait. He has to wait. So that's another reason why your Uncle Jimmy didn't make a lot of hours in this last pay period because a lot of people in our dealership still have their head wedged firmly up their ass. They haven't got a clue what they're doing and they're trying to figure it out as they go along and they're not getting it right and it's causing even bigger problems in some cases. Anyway, what is going to happen in the future? Okay, how do you solve the problem? Well, I I know how to solve problems, baby. That's what I do. That's what all of you do. And I just want to say real quick that uh, all of you are good at solving problems and I can appreciate that because... uh, America and the world for that matter, if you're listening somewhere else, is still moving. It's still spinning. Everything's going. Whether you're working in uh, Australia or North Africa or in Ireland or in Denmark or in uh, Bolivia or Peru, Brazil, maybe even Cuba. For Christ's sakes, if you're a mechanic and you're twisting wrenches on stuff and making it go again, you're my hero. Keep up the good work. If I've got any advice for you that helps you out, uh, I, I'm glad uh, I'm trying to be there for you. If you are working in a place where you can't make money, get out. Get out. There's a fucking huge... Here it comes, boys and girls. Here comes the broken record part of our podcast. Get out if you're not making any money. There's a shortage of technicians. It's getting worse and worse and worse every day. We're going to do a whole other podcast on that because I've read some more stuff that uh, uh, is as ridiculous as the shit I read before about how to solve the problem. But uh, what's going to happen to your Uncle Jimmy is if he goes through another pay period where he doesn't make as much time, read i.e. money, as he thinks he should, then he himself will grease the wheels, okay? So, uh, but don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here for you guys every Thursday, Wednesday if you're lucky, Thursday usually. And listen, if you got something that's slowing you down, You got somebody who's causing you to waste time and energy, whether it's an advisor, a manager, or another employee, or maybe the customers, fucking tell them. Say, listen, I'm not going to waste my time with this bullshit. I'm not going to waste my time with that bullshit. This is stuff right now that doesn't make me any money, okay? My paycheck, the numbers on my paycheck are not going up 
when I'm standing here talking to you. Now, one of the things, and I'll get this in there real quick and then I'll get off. I'll, well, I, let me rephrase that, please. <laughs> I will end this particular podcast. Uh, getting off is something completely different for me. One of the things that went on was that my writers didn't write a lot of cars. I had one that went out for a day. The other one, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has his head wedged up his ass. He wrote garbage ROs. So there's that too. There wasn't a lot of work, straight up. Just wasn't a lot of work. And what work we got, well, for me, the stuff that I got was crap that I couldn't make money on. And I've informed the people uh, who are my immediate supervisors that if this happens again, where I'm not afforded the opportunity, because I'm not a lazy guy not a lazy person, but I've told them that if uh, I get into the situation again where I don't have the opportunity to make the kind of money I think I should, I will go somewhere where I can. I won't, you only live once, YOLO, right? And uh, if you are working somewhere where you can't make money, go somewhere where you can. You might have to pick up and move across the state or across the country, but get it done. Get it done, you'll be glad you did. I did. It's, uh, I'm recording this right around the end of the year and I'm finding that uh, I made double what I made the uh, year before working at a different shop in a different part of the country. So uh, the people need uh, technicians all over the world, find a place where they're willing to pay you a, a decent wage and get your ass there. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, uh, and I just did a little bit, but I want to, I want to put a, an honest to God, true to life shout out to people who are listening to this podcast in the country of Australia, or is it the continent? I'm, this is how ignorant I am. The producers told me that there's a lot of you out there across the planet that are listening to this, which and it's mind-numbing to me because nobody here in my own house <laughs> or place of employment is listening to me, but you guys are, and apparently uh, you continue to listen, which is also extraordinary as well. But I want to give you a shout-out if you're working in Australia. It's a continent, right? It's a continent. So it's not even really a country. But, uh, I, and I got to tell you, honestly, I would love to get down there and see some of you guys. Uh, I guess the flight's really long, right? I mean, you guys are not nearby by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. But hey, if you're listening in Australia, kudos to you motherfuckers for doing what you do down there and keeping the world moving down there. Continue to listen. We'll give you shout, more shout outs in the future. If you've got some comments, things that go on down in Australia, the continent of Australia, that, that maybe I should uh, address, maybe, or maybe I should be glad I don't have to address here, I'd love to hear that shit. That would be awesome, okay? And if you're somewhere else in the world, hit me up with some comments. I will be glad to give you also a shout out. Uh, but as far as shouting, it's all over for me. Uh, I'm really thirsty right now. The throat's getting dry and tight, and I barely have enough saliva in my mouth to do the ending, which is this way. See ya. This episode of Grease the Wheels was sponsored by Hemp It Up. Hemp It Up is your source for edible, transdermal, and every other form of CBD products that you can imagine. Now, CBD is a bit of a hot-button topic right now, but let our expert friends at Hemp It Up sort it out for you. Their knowledgeable staff at their locations in Rochester and Syracuse will get you the CBD product that you need when you need it the most. We especially like transdermal CBD balm after a long day of turning wrenches. You rub some of that on your hands, your neck, and your shoulders, and you're good to go for tomorrow. Also, stop in and mention Grease the Wheels for 5% off your order. Hemp it up, Rochester and Syracuse's source for CBD and the only CBD company trusted by Grease the Wheels. You can check them out online at hempitupgifts.com. That is hempitup, 
Rochester and Syracuse, CBD, it's good stuff, keeps us turning wrenches, keeps us on the move. 